तपो क्षीण पापान शातारागिण Everything functions. 
And what does it do? It just shines. It does not participate in anything that is happening here. Even though without the lamp, nothing can take place. As Lord Krishna would say, Masthani Sarabhutani, Nachaham Teshu Avasthitaha. Says, all these beings are on account of me, but I am not on account of them. I live in them. They don't live in me. They all depend upon me. I don't depend upon them. Something like that, the lamb could also say. The, all the beings that are illumined here are on account of me. I illumine them. They do not illumine me. They are on account of me. I am not on account of them. They are dependent upon me. I am not dependent upon them. And therefore, the lamb shines whether or not there is anything to illumine. So when the dance is going on, when hundreds of people are sitting there watching, then also the lamp illumines the whole show, all the activities. When all of them go away, then the theater, the stage is empty, the theater also is empty, that lamp continues to shine there, illumining nothing. Illumining itself, well, just shining it by itself, in its own glory. So, how does the lamp illumine everything? It doesn't change. It is changeless does not depend upon anything to illumine itself. However, it illumines everything else and everything else depends upon that. And so also, Atma is comparable to a lamp as though. Just a picture for contemplation. Not that we imagine some kind of flame or not we imagine a duality necessarily between the Atma and Atma. So every picture that is given to us for contemplation is going to have its own limitations, of course. That lamp is separate someplace, everything else is away, so that kind of a distance is there. But this kind of duality is not intended in case of Atma and Atma. <coughs> However, a very beautiful picture. So, Deepaha Ghatadivat, how a lamp illumines Ghata, etc., or how a lamp illumines all the activities in a theater, so also Atma, remaining in the midst of all the activities, illumines all the activities itself undergoes no change, illumines all the changes. Itself shines whether or not anything else is there to illumine. So shining of the lamp does not depend upon the presence of other things. Other things are present, well it shines. They are not present, it shines. And that's what happens. When you are fast asleep, there are no activities. The sense organs are also asleep, the mind also is asleep, the intellect also is anything to sleep, meaning that theater is now empty. Does it mean that there is no lamp? Or does it mean the lamp gets extinguished? No. Lamp continues to shine. And the beings sleep also, and there are no activities. The lamp, that is Atma, continues to shine in its own glory. Because it is complete in itself. If the shining of the lamp were dependent upon something else, if all shining is that is to living, Suppose I have a condition like that, lamp says, I will remain shining as long as there are things to live in. If there is nothing to live in, I'll, I'll, you know, get extinguished. Then of course the lamp depends upon something else. The lamp says, I shine whether there is something to live in or not. Atma shines. Atmanah vikriya nasti. There is no vikriya or no modification, no change in Atma in I, the self. And buddhair bodhon jatvapi jalaihi tahi na avabhasyade. However, 
the line does not illumine by parts, etc. Line illumines them all, in itself is not illumined by them, because they are all jada. And so, buddhahe bodhahe nastai. So buddhi means the intellect, the mind, the sense organs, all of them are inert, inasmuch as they depend upon the light that is atma to shine. Atma is, is self-sufficient, self-shining, self-evident does not depend upon any other faculty, anything else, to shine. <coughs> so how to know this Atma is a svabodhe ne anyabodhe cha. No effort whatever is needed to know the Atma because it ever shines. Bodharupataya Atmanaha. Atmanaha Bodharupataya. On account of the fact that Atma is Bodharupaha. Anubhava Sarupaha. Ajnana Sarupaha. Of the nature of knowledge. What we call awareness, on account of the fact that Atma is of the nature of awareness, of the nature of knowledge, there is no need to know the Atma. Meaning, I mean, like there is a need to know a ghata or a pata, which is something different from me, something that is not shining. In that manner, Atma is not to be known, nor can it be known. Because a part can be known, because it needs to be illumined by the light of my eyes. The part needs to be illumined by the light of my mind. So my eyes, my mind, illumine the part, then the part becomes known to me. In that manner, I do not require eyes or organs of perception or mind to illumine the self, because self is just self-illumined. <coughs> so, Atman hai bodhrupataya, on account of the fact that Atma the self is bodhrupataya, of the nature of knowledge, na anya bodhrupataya, there is no need for another Buddha or another knowledge. So when you say knowledge, you mean the thoughts. For example, here is a part, and in my mind there is what we call a part, thought. That part of the shape of the part illumines the object part. So that ghatakara vritti or a part part is called a knowledge, which illumines that ghata, that part. Is it necessary that the thought should illumine Atma? says, no. There is no need that there should be a thought to illumine the Atma, meaning Atma, the Self, cannot become the object of a thought. It cannot be objectified. But then, Svabodhe na anyabodhecha, you do not need a thought, you do not need a, an organ of perception to illumine the Atma, just as nadipasya anyadipecha, when a lamp is shining, do you need another lamp to illumine that lamp? The answer is no. The lamp is self-shining and therefore known as it is. And so also, I am self-shining, ever-shining, ever-known, ever-revealed. It's not that Atma is not even known, because unless Atma is known, nothing else can be known. So when I see the objects in this room, automatically I see the light also. When I am aware of the objects in this room, I am aware of the light also because unless light is, there is no way that the objects here can be known. So the light doesn't have to be known separately. And so say when I am aware of ghata, pata, I am aware of anything, I am also aware of atma because unless atma shines, there is no way that I can be aware of anything at all. So that is how we have to know. The fact that I perceive the objects the way means that I am the self-shining Atma is. 
And that's what shines and therefore the objects shine. <coughs> so, Deepasya, Svabole, and Svatma Prakasana, and the Deepasya, Nasti. For illumining the land does not require any other land, and so also for illumining Atma doesn't require anything else. It is self-shining, therefore it is ever known. It ever shines as Aham, Aham, Aham. Except that, there is a lot of confusion about it. And so, what do the scriptures do? If you say that Atma cannot be known by my sense organs of perception because it cannot be perceived, that Atma cannot be known by the mind because it is not a state of mind, or it's not an emotion, or it's not a thought, then how do we know the Atma? So is the question in the introduction of verse 29. If you say that Atma itself, Buddha Vidhi, Gneha, Nabharet, this child cannot become the object of knowledge of Buddhi, etc., then how can it ever be known? <coughs> if something is known to my mind, then alone that can be known. And if there is something that cannot be known to my mind, there is no way that we will know it. You say that Atma can never be known to the mind, does it mean that I will never know Atma? Says, no, that's not so. Even though that is true for other objects, that if there is something in the world which can never become known to my mind, I will never know it. However, even though Atma cannot be known to, become known to my mind, just as a ghata ghata, so even then I would know it. In fact, I would know it by my very mind. <coughs> Tadhi Atmanyana Upayam Karam Vaktavyam He says another upaya, another method must be said if Atma cannot be known in a conventional manner if the self cannot be known, I cannot know myself I cannot know myself in a conventional manner what is the method by which I can come to know the true nature of myself? Saha Upaya hai Katham, what is the nature? What is the role that the scriptures play in making me know the self? So we say that the organs of perception are the means of knowledge to reveal the objects of the world. Similarly also we say that scriptures, the words of the scriptures are the means of knowledge to reveal the self. How can words ever reveal the self? <coughs> and so, what is the method by which the scriptures make me know myself? <coughs> Verse 29 says that Nishuddha Sakala Upadhina Neti Neti Pivakyataha Vidyadaikyam Mahavakyaihi Jivatma Paramatmanam That you will correct this Mahavakyaihi This text is Mahavakya So we correct it Mahavakyaihi This is Vidyat, this is Vidyat <coughs> Vidyat Aikyam Mahavakyaihi Similarly also in verse 38 in the second line Eightad Vilakshana Vindya, that also should be corrected as Vidyat, that Nakara should not be there. (coughs) 
who was with us 15 years ago. And then I, just my eyes opened and said, wait a minute. Then I look at him closely and discover, yes, this is the old friend that we had. So until then, the friend was hidden. Because of my notion that he's someone else. You know, something unknown to me, who is someone unknown to me, and therefore, in that conclusion of mine, that friend was hidden. The person was not hidden, but the identity of that person, namely, the friend was hidden. And the words of the mutual friend, what do the words do? They reveal the identity of this person. So, the person was known to me, but now he is known as a particular person. And so also, Atma, the self, is known to me. But how is it known to me? I am a jiva hai. So, jiva hai saramalam jnata. I say that I am a jnata. I am the knower. I am the doer. I am the enjoyer. I am a man. I am a woman. I am happy. I am unhappy. This is how I know myself at the moment. And all these... So, I am constantly in contact with myself. I am myself. I constantly know myself also. What do the words of scriptures do? They just reveal the, I reveal the true nature of myself. Let me see as to what I am because variety of notions are entertained about myself. These notions alone were called the koshas. So taking the body to be I is called the andamayah kosha. Taking the prana to be I and the activities of prana, hunger, thirst is mine or I, hungry, thirsty, this will be called the pranamayah kosha. Taking all the different modes of the mind is I, happy and happy I am, this will be called the Manomaya Kosha. Taking the different modifications of intellect, I am bright, smart, intelligent, dull, what not, this will be, or I am the doer, I did this, I achieved it, this will be called the Vijnanamaya Kosha. And that I am absorbing happiness, that will be called the Anandamaya Kosha. So each one of them is a notion, and it is this notion that in fact effectively hides the true nature of the self from myself. Like the notion that this is a snake effectively hides that object which is rope and so also in this case the notion that I am limited, that's all. And what's it? How is that notion created? Is only because that limited something is there. This limited body is there, limited mind is there, the limited upad is there and that creates an occasion of an error. So, one thing is taken to be another. That mind, body, this complex, which is what we call body, which is limited in every respect, is taken to be I. And therefore, I entertain the conclusion, I am a limited being. Jatoham, I am born. Vridhoham, I am old. Mridhoham, I am dying. And all these different notions conceal effectively the true nature of I. All that this world of scriptures do is to make me look into any notion that I have about myself. Therefore, scriptures will ask us, when I say that I am a man, how do you mean? How do you say that you are a man? Well, man is the attribute of this body. Are you the body? Or can you be the body? Well, you are the knower of the body. Just as you are the knower of this book, so clearly also you are the knower of this body. How can you say that you are the body? How can you say that you are a man, or a woman, or father, or son, or anything for that matter? How do you say that? I just taken it for granted. And that idea has been drilled 
for all this such a long time to such an extent that that alone has become as though natural. So ignorance has become natural and your knowledge has to come, that's what has happened. Therefore it is called Swabhavitam Ajnanam. The ignorance is called Swabhavitam, something that is there, Swabhavaya, something that is there by itself, as though naturally there. And so all that the scriptures do is Nishadya Sakalopadhin. All Nishadha is being done constantly. Not this, not this, not this. Sakala Upadhin. Upadhi means this body-mind-intellect complex. is Upadhi in this case. And identification with the Upadhi creates variety of complexes in my mind. And Sruti or the scriptures take each one of these complexes and addresses. And, okay, Neti, Neti, Neti. Not this, not this, not this. Iti Vakya By this Vakya, by this statement, Sruti, you come to know yourself, you come to know the identity between Jivatma and Paramatma, meaning you come to know yourself as Paramatma, as a limitless self. <coughs> Says the Tikagara, Asada Adesho Neti Neti Di Atandirasan Vedantava Atandirasan Vedantava Akhyana Tattum Parasagada Sarvajnyatva Kinchidnyatva Akshalopadhin Nishidhya Anatmatya Nagnyatva Nirasya Tattvamasi Aumatma Brahma Aham Brahmasmi Ikkyadi Vakyayi Lakshana Brahmatma Kidnya Nidhyat Prapnayat So here is a statement from Bhagavad Upanishad part of it is called Asataha Asataha Adeshaha thereafter, This is Adeshaha. This is instruction. This is a teaching. And what is it? Neti, Neti. Na iti, na iti. Or na idam, na idam. Not this, not this. Iti, atam nirasana Vedanta Vakyana. This is Vakya Vedanta. A simple statement of Vedanta. Neti, Neti. Not this, not this. What does this statement accomplish? Atanirasana Vakyam. Atanirasanam. Nirasanam means negating. Atat, that is not tat. That means Brahman or that means Atma. So that which is not Atma is negative. Thus, in my conclusion that I am fat or I am lean, I am tall, I am short, in that, not this, not this, not this. Meaning, I is not fat, I is not lean, I is not tall, I is not short. I say I am heavy, I is not heavy. I am sad, I is not sad. I am successful, I is not successful. I am a failure, I is not a failure. So, I cannot be negated. What is negated? Successful, failure. Beautiful, ugly. Happy, sad. Girl, boy. All of these things are negative because all those notions arise on account of identification with Upadi or Anatma. So what I am not? I am Tat. Meaning, I am the limitless. But I take myself to be Atat. I take myself to be limited. What is not Tat is called Atat. 
So what is not Atma is Anatma. What is not limitless is limited. And on account of identification with this limited body, I consider myself a limited being. Atam Nirasanam. And all that the Sutra does is Nirasanam, negation of what is not I. Negation of what is not Brahman. So Atam Nirasanam Vedanta Vakyana. What does it do? Tattum Padasagada Sarvajnatva Kinchijnatva Akhila Upadhin Nishudhya. There are Tattvam Padasa. The statement is simple. Tattvamasi. So Tat means that. Tvam means thou. Asi art that thou art. So it's a very simple statement. But then both of these are totally contradictory. All this detail analysis will come in Pansilasya also and it comes in every in the text. So how Tat, that or Brahman is conceived of by me as the limitless, as Jagat Karanam, the very cause of the creation. And the, crea- the cause of the creation has to be omniscient, omnipotent. So I imagine the law to be omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. Sarvagnya, Sarvashaktiman, Sarvagyapi, this is what that or Lord is. And what is my notion or concept of myself? Alpagnya, Alpashaktiman, Alpagyapi. I am limited in knowledge, limited in powers, limited in pervasiveness, limited in every respect. And thus, that I is totally opposed to the Lord. This is my present understanding. <coughs> And this Vakya simply says, you are the Lord. And there is no way that I can ever conceive of this. There is no way that I can ever even comprehend this. That I am the Lord, there is no way. And the only way it can happen is, this is called Samanadhikarani, that I and Lord, totally opposite entities, are placed in the same Adhikaranam, meaning that both of them refer to the same thing, the I and Lord refer to the same entity, only when they can be expressed in this manner, and they can be kept in the same location, <coughs> same locus. So who am I? Alpadmiha. And who is Lord? Sarvadmiha. I am limited in knowledge. He is limitless with reference to knowledge, limitless with reference to everything. And so this idea has to be given up. Or that statement animates me to now examine what is it that causes me to think that I am limited, that my knowledge is limited, my power is limited, in every respect I am limited. What makes me think so? Because my buddhi has very limited knowledge and I say that I am limited in knowledge. My body is very limited in strength and I say that I am limited in strength. My pervasiveness, how far? My existence is up to the tip of my nose and I am not, I don't exist beyond that. It is my body that is limited in its pervasiveness and I say that I am limited in pervasiveness. And this I examine, that what makes me entertain different notions? I am sad. Why? What makes me think that I am sad? Oh, my mind is sad. Okay. The mind is sad doesn't have to make me sad because I am even the knower of the sad mind. And so, we have to address ourselves to every uh, 
notion or any conclusion that arises about I. And that's all that the Shruti makes me do. Analyze every conclusion about myself and trace the source of that conclusion. Don't merely say that I am not that I am not that I am not. That's not enough. I must know the mechanism of how a particular conclusion arises. That I take myself to be a man. Why? Because his body has this characteristic. That's all. I take myself to be whatever I take, happy, because the mind has a given characteristic. And thus we have to trace every notion to its source. And we will find that the judgment about I or the conclusion about I is always a standpoint, is always a reference to this upari. And how much responsibility can I take about this body? Tell me. I have not created it. How much responsibility can I take? And how much can I be worried about it? Why am I like this? Why do I look like this? And so on. How can I condemn myself? I have not created it. It's not meant for that purpose also. Unfortunately, in our society, the role of the body has been so twisted and so mutilated that this poor body is required to, to do things which it is not meant to. This body is simply the means for making any enabling me to achieve the goal of my life. Instead of that, I expect from this body to perform in so many other respects. So many complexes are created about the body and thus I entertain those complexes about my I am such, I am beautiful, I am ugly, I am this, I am that. There is no need that I have to take the burden of this body because I have not created it. I am not the body. It's a very beautiful thing in as much as if I, if I give the notions of the various proportions that they give me in order to judge the beauty, if we give that up, and Swami really elaborates this, you know, he says, these poets, these fellows have done one thing is they have created this complex about beauty. And the greatest poets have done. This woman is beautiful. Why? Because her face is like moon. And so, and different things are given. And Indian, uh, you know, uh, literature is, uh, it abides with all this. And of course the Western society is totally, I mean, you know, uh, obsessed with it. But that keeps on creating, and every child the notions are created. Everybody looks at the mirror and everybody wants to go to plastic surgery and everybody wants to do this. Why? What a, how, what a tragic thing it is, how sad it is. But a person is condemned as ugly, as useless, as unacceptable. What complexes? That you have to perform in a given feeling, a given manner, and then alone you are normal, otherwise you are not normal, and all these problems. As though I don't have enough problems. And these fellows create further problems on that. And thus a very complex entity I have become. And very limited, very bound in every respect, simply bound by my own notions. That's all. <coughs> all the simple statement, you are fat, enables me to analyze every notion, every conclusion I have about myself. And I have to trace the source of a conclusion with reference, I will discover that every conclusion about myself is a standpoint when I look at myself through a certain relationship. Well, I am father. When I look at myself through the relationship of the son, and I am son, when I look at myself with reference to father. So if I am beautiful, when I look at myself with reference to something else, and I am ugly, when I look at myself with reference to some other thing. 
what is beautiful i don't know is black beautiful or is white beautiful or is brown beautiful or yellow beautiful depends on where you go you know and therefore all the concepts it's all the con- these conclusions are all based on my st- they are all standpoints all these relative conclusions <coughs> And unless we address ourselves to this, Vinod is not going to work. It's not that automatically something will happen, I know myself as Brahman. It's not going to happen. Automatically I know myself as Jiva. That's automatic knowledge. And therefore, it is going to take its own time. It's going to take an effort. And it can, you know, a concerned, concerted effort on my part to address every conclusion about myself. And then, I mean, trace the source of that conclusion and come to terms with myself at every step. That, okay, I am so-and-so, I, you know, what is the reason for it? Because the body is sitting such, okay. Because my mind is sitting such. I can't remember, all right, the buddhi's limitation. I can't understand these things, all right, limitation of the intellect. I can't feel that, okay, limitation of the mind, that's the emotional faculty, <coughs> is going to be limited in every respect. Somebody can feel little more than somebody else. Somebody can understand little more than someone else. Somebody stronger than someone else, and so on and so forth. But then no one who is born is ever going to be limitless with reference to his upadhi. And our attempts to become limitless or become big or great with reference to upadhi are never going to be successful. And that doesn't mean that you don't do anything with it also. The idea is that we can never expect to be totally fulfilled or successful or, or content with reference to this complex. It is ever going to be limited. If everything is going on well and some virus, some bug comes and that's all. And down, you know, that's all you need. Everything is wonderful and you go for skiing and break your, break your leg and that's all. Or whatever. So, um, it, I'm going to be limited in that respect regardless of what I do. You know, a billionaire, you don't know what to do with your money except you cannot get along with your wife. You know, simple thing. And then, so what? Depending on how you judge your success, etc. But I will never be successful in that respect because success in that terms can never come because I'm going to remain a limited being when I judge myself with reference to this body. And so, Shruti addresses, uh, asks us to address ourselves to every one of those judgments, every one of these conclusions. And is there a reason for me to carry the burden of this body? Is there a reason for me to carry the burden of my mind or my intellect? There is no burden at all. Yes, there are instruments given to me and I am grateful to God for having given to me. And what more, we don't expect anything else out of this poor thing, you know. Otherwise, it's like asking a five-year-old child, you know, to run at fifteen miles an hour or something like that, something which it cannot do. You know, there's a... How, how do we expect from our little equipment here? What kind of a task we expect? And it is impossible, and how frustrations come all along? There's this, uh, uh, this, this Nasruddin, you know, famous Mullah Nasruddin. This fellow was once... Uh, in the coffee shop in the evening, you know, in the village. And the friends, and they are all sitting there, and uh, everybody was boasting. And what else can they do, you know, on a cup of coffee in those days? So, <coughs> uh, ultimately, how much, how much cold they can withstand? 
and ultimately Mullah declared that well, I can sit on the top of that mountain for the whole night without anything, without the help of anything, I can sit, spend the whole night there in that cold. They all decided, okay, we'll give you ten dollars, or whatever was the equivalent of that currency. And so Mullah said, okay. And Mullah went there, spent the whole night, you know, in, in on, that, on the top of the mountain. Next morning, he, friends asked him, what happened? He says, well, I was there. Were you there for the whole night? I was there for the whole night. How did he manage to do that? So cold, how could he spend the whole night there? He says, well, I had a book with me. But how can you read book in this darkness? Well, I, I took a candle with me. So in the candlelight, I read the book for the whole night. And that's how I somehow spent the night, you know. And he was really um, so very happy. Those fellows says, oh, now you understand. Oh, you carried a candle with you. Therefore. So, as though the candle will enable him to keep up warm, you know. And so, because, yeah, you have not followed all the conditions. So you took a candle with you. Therefore, you were quite able to spend the whole night there. Mullah was really disappointed. Okay. After some time, he invited all his friends for a feast at his home. For a dinner. They are all there, they came, the dinner table, everything is set, everybody is sitting around the table. Mullah is inside in the kitchen and uh, preparing the dinner. So these fellows are expecting, oh, he'll come out with dinner, he'll come out, he'll come out. Five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour, forty-five minutes, these fellows are all sitting here and the food is not served. What's happening? And one of them decides to go inside to see what's happening inside. And you know, this Mullah was cooking. What is he cooking? Khichdi is cooking. He's cooking, it's a big pot there, you know, with rice and dal and everything else, cooking. And underneath, is one candle, you know, he's cooking. What are you doing, Mullah? He says, well, I'm cooking khichdi. So when will you ever cook? He says, well, I don't know. You see, that night, this candle kept me warm, so I thought that this candle can cook khichdi also. And so if you use a candle to cook the khichdi in that big pot, please tell me, when will that khichdi be cooked? And similarly also, if you use this little body, limited as it is, to become limitless, you know, when will it happen? Or use your little intellect, little in mind, all these little faculties, to become limitless, to become successful, to become acceptable, when will it happen? You keep on trying and we have been doing it, from the beginningless time, not only from this life, from the beginningless time we have been doing this, is abuse or misuse this equipment. It is not meant for that. And we are trying to use it for becoming limitless. It's never going to work. <coughs> and so we have to know that limitless is something to be known and not something to become. <coughs> of course, for that purpose, all the other yoga exercise is helpful. I mean, that in order to settle account with the body, maybe the body should be in a harmony. In order to settle account with the mind and intellect, they should be in harmony. Therefore, we have karma yoga and everything else. That's fine. But that is just so that we can settle account with these things, that they are in harmony, that they don't become an obstacle to me. But otherwise, we have to know that I am not this. Not insist and not assert. See this fact. 
अतन्रसन वाक्यन तत्व पदार्थ गर्वज्ञत्व किंचिज्ञत्व अखिलोपाधी निषिध्या सो किंचिज्ञोहम तट आई एम लिमिटेड इन नॉलेज सर्वज्ञ ईश्वर है दरीश्वर द लॉरेज ओमिशंट दिस कॉम्प्लेक्सेस एज इस वी हैव टू सी द रूट ऑफ ईच वन ऑफ दिस कॉम्प्लेक्सेस एंड सी वेर अराइज फ्रॉम Don't see it from in mother and father. See right here, you know. So I, we won't say that mother is responsible for my complexes, or father is responsible, or the society is responsible. Yeah, maybe they perhaps uh, played the role in enhancing the notions that I have. But ultimately, I must know that the source of notion is right in me, meaning ignorance. It's only when I take the body to be myself that somebody can declare that you are ugly. How else anybody can declare me ugly if I did not take the body as myself? If I take this book as myself, somebody can declare me a stone. You know, well, so how can someone declare me a stone? Only when I take this book as myself. Someone can declare me a fat if I take this loudspeaker as myself. You know, so the idea is. Somebody can work upon me then, when already the potential of that is there, and so we can blame the whole world, perhaps rightfully or whatever it is, to validate the problems and whatever it is. But when can the world really create all these problems in me, or the difficulties? When the potential for those problems is there. So I have been taking this body as I, this mind as I, the intellect as I, and I want to be limitless also. That is natural. In anything that I want to be limitless through the agency of this limited equipment, and I am set on an impossible task, and then other fellows just you know uh, confound the problem, but the fundamental problem is there. <coughs> so anat nishidhya meaning anat matvena jnatva nishidhya sat. Body, mind, intellect, all of that is anatma. That is called nirasya, niras, nishidhya, nirasya. Knowing it to be not self. That's all you have to do. There are ways to know the body is not self. Nothing else. I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to have any kind of uh, hatred for the body or whatever. You can love the body and better love the mind, love the intellect, love everything. Knowing well that I am not that. So Vedanta doesn't say that you have to uh, you have to abuse the body. He says that you are not the body. You can love the body. You can love something that you are not. For what is this very beautiful equipment? Such a great harmony there is, and it's such wonderful functions it performs. I can lift my hand, and I can walk, and I can talk. You know, idea that there is no machine you can do this. This can do that. So it's a very. I mean, my mind is a beautiful equipment. My intellect is very beautiful. And uh, and so you can enjoy those things, enjoy the body, enjoy the mind, enjoy the intellect, love them. Being well that I am not them. That's all. They are all the instruments. They are all serving purpose for me. And know it, know them in that manner. <coughs> so nirasya, being knowing them for what they are. Tattvasi, Anatma, Brahma. अहम ब्रह्मास्मि इत्यादि वाक्य ही इस ओर भी वाक्य एनवर्स मीन टू निगेस समथिंग निगेस मीन्स 
negate the notions. I think that God is away from me. You know, that separation is there between the seeker and the sought, between I and what I am seeking, the limitless that I am seeking, the success that I am seeking in my life, I think that success is away from me, or that limitless is away from me, or acceptability. I want to be an acceptable self. That's all I want. I don't need anything from me. I just want to be an acceptable to myself. Even that also becomes gold. And even the self-acceptability also is different from me. Except to know that I'm already acceptable, or I'm already successful, or I'm already limitless. And so that, that notion that what I'm seeking is away from me is just eliminated by this vakya that thou art. You are what you are seeking. That simply eliminates the distance between the seeker and the sod. <coughs> and also, I think that I am limited. That also is eliminated by this, that limited I am not. So what this Mahavakya, or this Vakya revealing the identity, what it enables me to do is to go out of this complex that I am a limited being, and thus the sense of limitation imposed upon I is declared to be false, and the remoteness. I think that what I am seeking in my life is remote, is away from me. So the remoteness of Brahman or the remoteness of limitlessness also is eliminated by this. That what I am seeking is not away from me. And what I am not a seeker, also I am the thought. So from the I or from the Trumpada, a sense of limitation is eliminated. And from the Tattpada, the sense of remoteness is eliminated. This is what fundamentally this Mahavakya does. <coughs> Aram Atma Brahman. Aram means this. This Atma is Brahman. What is this? This which is evident, self-shining. The evident, self-shining self is in fact Brahman. Brahman is big. Big means limitless. So Bruh, Bruhi, Vruddhav. So Brahman is derived from, Brahman is derived from root. Bruh, which is in the sense of growth. In the sense of bigness. In the sense of expansion in the sense of greatness. So that which is big, that which is great, that which is all expansive, that Brahman, I am. <coughs> so I am Atma, Brahman, this Atma is in fact Brahman, the limitless, Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahman. Ityadi Vakyahi, by these Vakyas, by these statements, and understand that this knowledge is a growth process. It's something that grows, it's not something that happens uh, you know, in a, like, like a miracle or something. So it is some, like every knowledge, you ask me how many, uh, after all this also, how come, you know, uh, that we feel like what we do? I said, well, it's, it's knowledge that grows upon you, like a doctor. Did you become a doctor in one day? Or on what day did you become a doctor? Well, when I am in the university, I gain certain knowledge, and it grows in me. And ultimately, I abide in that knowledge. And similarly also, this knowledge has to grow on me. As I keep on discovering the, the falsehood of my notions, I keep on becoming free from them, thus I come out of a freer person every time. And so by this vakya, lakshanaya brahmatmaki jnani vidyat prapnayat, may one gain this knowledge of identity between brahma and atma. Anena prakarena jnatavyam. So, how is anena prakarena? Atma Jnatavya. This is the manner in which 
Atma the self is to be known. <coughs> Thus removing ignorance. What do we mean by ignorance? The notions arising out of ignorance. Because ignorance also you cannot remove. Many ignorance you cannot objectify. It's not a tangible entity. But how does ignorance manifest itself? In the form of the variety of notions that I entertain about myself. And Sruti declares all these notions to be false. It also gives us a mechanism. So Upanishad not only says that we are limitless, but also tells us how does this notion of limitedness arise. So Jivaha Sarvam Alamnyatva Jnata Drashtayati Mushari Even though in the Buddha in the intellect there is no knowledge at all. Intellect is inert. An Atma can never be modified, there can be no modification in Atma, and there can be no illumination in Buddhi. Even then, combining the two, I take myself to be the knower, which is the nature of the Buddhi, and I take myself to be subject to change, which is also the nature of Buddhi. So it is a mechanism, it's a prakriya. Prakriya means a method is given to us, to understand because you must know also the mechanism of the sense of limitation. Only when you know it, and uh, more clearly we know it, more clearly we can become free from that. So, so many prakriya are given to us, uh, like the reflection, you know, the image and the reflection, also the method. Or like the crystal and something reflect in the crystal, also the method. Or like a part and the space limited by the part, also method. So all these different methods are given to us for us to understand the mechanism of what I am, why I am feeling what I am feeling. And I do feel something about myself, true. Why do I feel? Where is an error committed? So Sruti just says that it's just error, that's, that's all it is. And how is the error committed? There is a room for error, there is a scope for error. Because there is something limited, which is buddhi, and I take that to be myself, and therefore is a notion of limitation. Thus, <coughs> once we understand the mechanism, then we can address ourselves to different notions about I which arise in me, and identify the source of those notions, and that is how slowly becomes free from the spell of those notions. And that is the way, that's the process of becoming free. So becoming free also becomes a process. Because bondage is only in terms of notions. Nothing else. There's no other bondage. It's just the way all this bunch of notions. And each one of the notions has to be addressed. It has to be resolved. In this manner, the Vedanta Vakyas, the statements of Vedanta, enable me to know myself. <coughs> Not revealing a word does not reveal the Atma like a lamp reveals a pot. But word reveals a notion, or a word or a statement reveals a notion as a notion. When I know the notion as a notion, that's all, then I know it. You don't have to know anything else. When I know the Mithya as Mithya, well I know it. If I take Mithya as Satyam, then that's an error. If I take Satyam as limited, there is also an error. So knowing that, knowing what is mithya to be mithya, or knowing what is a notion to be notion, that's all I have to do. And I will discover that every one of these things that I take myself to be is a notion. 
In this manner, Atma is to be discovered. Okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyada Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyada Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Kesavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhasya Krutavande Bhagavanta Upanapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmati Murti Bheda Vibhagana Yoma Vadyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om